Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sound of Play. Of all the money that I had, I spent it in good company, and all the harm. That e'er I've done. Alas, it was to none but me. And all I've done for want of wit to memory now I can't recall. So. To me, the parting glass. Good night and joy be with you all. Oh, all the comrades that e'er I had, they're sorry for. My going away, and all the sweethearts that e'er I've loved, they'd wished me one more day to stay. But since it falls unto my lot that I should rise and you. I'll gently rise and softly call. Good night and joy be with you all. Good night and joy be with you all. Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this Sound of Play Assassin's Creed special is Jay Taylor. Hello. Welcome to Sound of Play. Right, so it's the 10th show. Well, it's a 10th show, if you want to put it that way. 240 of these we've done now. It's not too bad, is it? Since 2014? Yep, that's it. Is it? Yeah. So over five years we've been doing Sound of Play with very little fanfare. (laughs) but uh, we love the show and this time uh, we've done a few specials uh, on the uh, the 10th shows we've done what we've done Donkey Kong and we've done uh, Sonic and some other bits and bobs as well so check out the archives for those at canarince.com or on uh, on Apple wherever you get your podcasts but today our focus is the Assassin's Creed series. So this is a game series that on the Game Review podcast, Kane and Rince, we've dotted, sort of covered in part. We've covered mm. some of the, the, the entire series. We started off with some of the early games in a collected show many years ago. Since then, we've looked at three and four Black Flag, from which our opening tune today came from. And this year we've already looked at Origins and we're going to look at Odyssey. Whether we get to all those other games in between, who knows whether time and energy and yeah. desire will permit. But there's a lot of games that in this series to, to get through. Um, but one of the things I think is probably under-celebrated is the 
the sheer gamut and quality of the music that's featured. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I pushed for this shell because I, I thought I, yeah. last year I went through four of those games in in the space of 12 months. And yeah, the the music is kind of, it's interesting because as I've gone through, as putting the tracks together for this sort of playlist, it was, there were a lot, realized myself that there was a lot of the music I wasn't familiar with, with especially with the earlier games. Um, speaking for myself, it was like the soundtracks really only started to kick in for me from Black Flag. Uh-huh. And I thought in part that's because of the sea shanties that was in there. I love yes. those. I absolutely love them. Collectible sea shanties, of which yeah. there were many. For those who haven't played the game but are interested, you collect them up. They, they, they are part of the Ubisoft collect them up in yeah. Assassin's Creed. But rather than it just being a number to tick off and maybe a prize at the end, every time you collect one of these, it means that next time you go to sea, there's a chance that your crew will, and, and you and your character, in some, does your character sing? Was it only? Uh, no, I think it's just the crew. Just the just yeah. the crew. Uh, but the crew will actually start to belt out these yeah. genuine, real life, traditional sea shanties. They've all been recorded. Often yeah. they're in a kind of call and response style, with one of the you know the lead crew hands kind of taking yeah. the taking the lead part, with then the rest of the crew joining in with the chorus or the um, the responses. Yeah, there was a temptation to throw in loads of sea shanties in this this playlist <laughs> the because special. the thing is, it is actually classed as part of the soundtrack because there's there's a, two versions of the soundtrack and one comes with all the sea shanties. So in yeah. some ways, it is completely legitimately part of the soundtrack. But um, yeah, there is. I do go to this, but I'll I'll there's a our final track on this playlist is actually one from Odyssey. Because uh, that too has sea shanties, although probably weren't known as sea shanties, and I, I, I don't no. think that they're. I'm I'm really curious because I tried looking into the the historical side of it because the English ones, the ones in mm. Black Flag, they mm. are and well Scottish. known, and yeah, so you, you there's a history behind them, and they're quite relatively well known. Yeah, you know, um, but the yeah the the Greek ones I was curious as to whether they were written specifically or whether they're based on some kind of historical songs uh, yeah and sure. they're less part of our culture because I remember yeah. kids shows and you know, TV as a kid you would yeah. you would sometimes hear these things um, yeah. whether it was a historical or a piece you know a local color piece on some Cornish fisherman or yeah. it was a a drama set on a on a ship or something yeah these these were something that you would hear even though they're obviously they were already even by the time you and i were children these were already kind of ancient history and the, oh, the other thing yeah. i about, mean how old do you think we are <laughs> like well it's exactly. like um yeah. but the listener may the may not may not be aware um the other thing is that these are of course all trad and yeah. ancient so there's no recording artist there's no license so yeah. obviously these versions um are you know, part of the part of the Ubisoft soundtrack or whatever, but actually, mm-hmm. the when when they come to make the songs, you can you can deploy them freely yeah. without uh, without any comeback. Uh, this one that we've heard to open the show, we've parted already. Uh, <laughs> the parting glass, um, apparently, according to Wikipedia, the most popular parting song in Scotland before Old Lang Syne. So, quite some history. Uh, and it was David Rush who requested this one. Uh, David said, arguably the finest entry in the original Assassin's Creed series since two was Black Flag. The game gave players a chance to relive the golden age of piracy 
through the life of Edward Kenway. A journey of self-discovery for Kenway awaits as he sacrifices family life for the promise of riches. Along the way, Kenway earns, learns of the value of family and brotherhood and his once materialistic motives are cast aside as he joins the order and begins a life of greater purpose. The euphoria of his newfound conviction is tempered as he discovers his wife's passing of he learns of his wife's passing and as he waits at shore for the arrival of the daughter he doesn't know the use of this poignant celtic anthem the parting glass is sung beautifully by anne bonny uh, in the game uh, played by sarah green sung by sarah green uh, aims to extract every last tear from the player as the credits roll the haunting tone of sarah's voice is complemented by the stripped back string accompaniment a song typically sung at wakes or at the end of a gathering to bid farewell. The use of the parting glass in Black Flag bids farewell to the old life of Kenway and ushers in an era of renewal to his and his daughter's life and future. Uh, I mean, it, it, it might seem a bit odd to have tracks like this as, as part of this whole thing, and it might seem a little dismissive towards the, um, like the actual written score. Um, but it, it to me that the, these songs within this game added so much to the sense of time and place to the game yeah, overall, a lot of flavor and I, yeah and i feel like it, it made them in some ways because and this is what i found about a lot of the assassin's creed games and i know you know i might have some detractors for this but i did find them they fall into very kind of um they feel very much like a traditional score like and maybe to the point where they weren't really even going back and listening to some of the older tr soundtracks, it was, they weren't really standing out to me. There wasn't anything in them that made them re remind, you know, you might get one or two tracks that actually have a sense of place to them, you know, with the use of like traditional instruments and stuff. This is something that I found has gotten a lot better since Black Flag. They've started to bring in a more of the kind of, the instrumentation you would find in the period of time that they're set in the games it before there were more kind of like big orchestral scores that you would get with a film or something along those lines they weren't as memorable to me as they've gotten mm. as the series have progressed but yeah. you know there's still good music in there as, as we'll hear but you know it took a bit more digging for the older games i found all right so we covered assassin's creed 4 black flag on the cane and rinse podcast at some point in the past seek it out in the usual places or on Spotify, if you wish. Next up, we have a pick from Revelations, going back in the series a bit. This one was requested by Retro Clarence, and it's a main theme. Clarence says, I find it difficult to find as much time for gaming as I would like these days, but Assassin's Creed is one franchise with which I have kept in regular touch. I think the central themes of well-researched and executed historical fiction and secret societies and shadow histories have always appealed to me. I like playing these games slowly, looking up the real stories around the locations, events and personalities as I go. And since gaming is a bit of a refuge and a distraction for me, I don't mind sinking a lot of time into collecting items or completing peripheral quests just to tidy the map. Although I can certainly understand this tendency towards padding as a source of frustration for some players. Although I've been a consistent player of the series, I don't really specifically remember playing Revelations. However, in my subsequent listens of the series soundtracks, this version of the main theme by Lorne Balfi has become a real highlight for me, and this is now my track zero to begin an Assassin's Creed music session.
So that's our first hearing, uh, possibly our only, in this show of the main theme of Assassin's Creed. But that was the, what was that, the third game in the series at that point? Uh, no, fourth. Fourth, yeah. Fourth, After yeah. So we'd already had yeah. Brotherhood and Revelations. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, hearing from Retro Clarence there, what uh, what he was saying about uh, playing the game slowly and getting immersed in the history <laughs> of the game, that sounds like somebody else I know. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> Uh, yeah, exactly the same. I do understand why people can be like, you, you look at a map and you just see a mass of icons. Um, and I can understand how that is a massive turnoff for some people. But to me, it has completely the opposite effect where it's like, I'm rubbing my hands going, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, It's like, but yeah, I, I mean, as long as they feel like they're worth doing, that's it. It's like, for me, it's just like, if they're just meaningless in terms of just like, I don't know, letters or pages from a book sometimes. You know, it's like that stuff, I've got to be honest, in, in the Assassin's Creed games where uh, it was collecting feathers and all that kind yeah. of stuff, I had no patience for it. If it had more, like, if it was going to get, like, a new weapon or an upgrade to the ship, that added far more kind of impetus for me to do that stuff. And that is something that I feel they've they've tweaked as the series has gone through its various iterations and to where we are now with, with Odyssey. That was something that they definitely feel like they pushed towards making everything feel useful. Good stuff. So our next track is one that you've selected. Yeah. This <laughs> is uh, The Flight. So tell us about The Flight for those who don't know. Right. Well, The Flight, uh, two guys, London-based, they did their score to a, a game that I have a fair, I think it's fair, safe to say a fair amount of love for, which was Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah. And th- their score for that really just in, like, I have listened to that soundtrack many, many times. So when it turned out that they were doing Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it's like immediately. And this is mm. interesting to me because it's like, it's not often that you're going to get excited for a game based on who's doing the score for a game. But it's it definitely was one of the many things that made me think, quality you know it's just Mm. this track is unusual in why i picked it and it's 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 tinged with nostalgia like we just referenced our age so we're both children of the 70s and this track like as somebody who grew up watching trumpton chigley camberwick green this track reminds me of that it reminds me of the soundtracks that and it sounds it might seem really weird to people to 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 associate the Assassin's Creed soundtrack with children's television shows from the 70s. But it so has that kind of... The only thing that this track is missing is, like, Brian Kant narrating <laughs> over the top of it. Like, yeah, it, 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 there's just something about the, the, the way it's got this very sort of melodic kind of simple tune that almost... Mm. Y- you can imagine it over the title sequence of, like, yeah. <laughs> the Greek version of... Uh... <laughs> Chigley, yeah, uh, or Camberwick. Well, no, actually, it's probably if you want a, a precise one, um, Chigley is probably the closest to this kind of to the music. Um, I was listening <laughs> as research; it is research. I was listening to Trumpton, Camberwick Green, and because you know, like you immediately think of it, and you think, "Oh, it reminds me of them," but you're not sure if it really does sound like that, or whether it's just yeah. you know, rose tinted nostalgia. But I actually listened to them, and Chigley is the closest to this kind of track. So right. it's like, yeah, listen to the Chigley soundtrack and be amazed <laughs> at the crap that we watched when we were kids. <laughs> oh no, it was, uh, they were beautifully made and yeah. And but produced. complete aside, but look at the title sequences of these. They were the title 
the the splash screen for Chigley for all three of them is incredible in how cheap it is. It's yeah, yeah, yeah amazing. <laughs> they had no money at all. Uh, we should also say this is a collaboration between yeah. Flight and Mike Georgiades. Yeah, and uh, they were they were nominated for an Ivan Novello for mm, this, justifiably so as well, because I think the soundtrack. If I had to pick one soundtrack from the Assassin's Creed thing, it, the whole series of games that I played, it would be this one. I think mm. this, and this this is in direct conflict with. Um, I think it was Rich and Brian who. Oh no no no! I tell a lie. It was about Origins that they had a Origins, problem with. Yeah, um, and I disagree with that quite strongly too. But yeah. Um, but yeah, let's enjoy it, Marcos. Assassin's Creed Odyssey 2018. That was Marcos by the flight and Mike Georgiadis. Apologies for my pronunciation, Mike, if I'm getting that wrong. Next selection is from Tom. Hi, everyone. This is Tom Quillfelt. So everyone knows the feeling of playing a game that really hammers home the promise of kind of next-gen consoles or platforms or the PC they bought or Anything really, the proof of concept, the uh, the key piece of software. I briefly saw a friend playing Assassin's Creed 1 and, and he showed me this amazing kind of vista of the city. But it wasn't until I actually picked up Assassin's Creed 2, I can't remember why, I can't particularly remember when, it might have been second hand. But absolutely loving the uh, historical setting especially because around that time and still my family have a lot of ties to Italy and Florence and uh, Venice. Uh, My parents both speak uh, Italian and I'd been on trips with them there, quite a few trips. Um, So when I showed my mum the recreation of Florence, she was flabbergasted because she hadn't sort of seen at that point that generation's technology and 3D graphics uh, really do something that, that meant anything to her. But kind of seeing that recreation and the period setting and the clothes and everything really impressed her, which, of course, made me feel kind of boastful about, you know, video games as my chosen uh, medium. It will shock absolutely no one to learn that a large part of why I loved Assassin's Creed 2 is the music and how well it kind of beds the player into the dual world of the you know futuristic timeline and the animus and then the uh, world of renaissance italy and i think this this piece kind of captures both aspects of that because although uh, a little bit of research reminds me that this piece plays when you're walking around the city i think at dawn and there's not many people around so there's a very sp- special atmosphere to that considering the game is so busy and bustling at, at many times of day uh, but it has this 
it has this kind of orchestral elements and it's got these uh, Latin sung uh, uh, operatic elements, if you like. Um, there's also some chanting as well as um, singing with with lyrics in it. But underpinning all of this is this this deep kind of synth pad that makes it, in my mind, think of it like an ambient electronica piece. And this pad keeps this tension, this darkness throughout the whole thing, which is perfectly understandable because you are roaming an incredibly dangerous city and you are an incredibly dangerous man during this game. There's also another aspect of Assassin's Creed 2, which I love, which that uh, kind of synth pad hints at, which is that although they have the, the, the period sounding, period evocative uh, uh, elements over the top, you are still um, playing, interpreting this world through the, the lens of uh, Desmond in the Animus. Um, and as a modern player playing a computer game, obviously uh, it's not a very subtle metaphor. But I loved what Assassin's Creed 2 did for me a lot uh, aesthetically was that there's this element of kind of getting trapped in the Animus, this ghost in the machine. As I recall, it's actually part of the storyline as well that another character gets lost in in the animus somehow somewhere their consciousness and i love the kind of horror of that the terror of that that uh, your mind could just go walkies in between uh being present in the futuristic dystopia of assassin's creed uh, or getting stuck in the um this sort of these memories of your ancestors and that tension, that that tension, and the artistry around that, and the music uh, that signifies that, and the visuals as well, just really, really spoke to me, and uh, maybe fall in love with the series. Really, I, I dropped off somewhere around the middle, where I think quite a few people did, um, but uh, recently come back to it with uh, with Odyssey, and uh, very glad I did.
That was Dreams of Venice by Jesper Kidd from the second Assassin's Creed game all those years ago, 2009. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it is weird, though, you think how, how, you know, it's like 13 years old, this franchise now, and it's... Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. feel like... I mean, yeah, time flies. Hmm. Now we have a piece from the other Assassin's Creed 4, which was a standalone add-on to... Uh, it was also yeah. given away as a PS Plus game a while ago, uh, Freedom Cry. So this picked up the basic scenario and setting of four, but gave you control of uh, one of the the side characters from the main story, uh, which meant that uh, the nature of the character meant that the sort of the tone of the music and the setting of the game is ever. So, I mean, it's the same, but it's yeah. uh, we've got a sort of Haitian thing going on. Um, over to John Cheatham, who requested this one. Olivier Derivez's use of traditional Haitian music alongside the more typical orchestral score is a winner. The most memorable one for me is United. The mournful singing can actually choke me up. Part of that is its use in a sequence in the game where Adewale is in pursuit of a French slave ship and its escorts. The game is far from flawless in its communication of the horrors of the Caribbean slave trade. However, I think United is well chosen for what might be Freedom Cry's most impactful moment.
United by Olivier Derivere. That was from Freedom Cry, which uh, we also, some of us, I did, I played for the show. Yeah. Yeah, I've yet to, I've got it obviously with PS Plus, but I've yet to, yet to uh, play it. Yeah, it might, it might be initially jarring to go back to that part of the series after Odyssey, but. Yeah, this is, this is what I found recently, because I started playing the very first Assassin's Creed a couple, yeah, probably a couple of months ago now. Yeah. Um, I picked it up for a quid in CX, but it's like, and I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a shot on, and. I found it almost it, it. It's just the nature of the beast with these things. Where it, I found it really difficult to get back into it because it felt so. I wouldn't say unintuitive because I think it. It just felt so plain in comparison to where we're at now and the 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 nature of the control systems. The uh, in particular sort of locomotion and. Um, you know, the walls climbing and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Felt so, because now it's like you can literally climb anywhere and on any, anything. Mm. Whereas before you were very sort of restricted and you had to take a, a very specific path. You had to look for certain things that you could climb onto and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that carried right through to, I think, sort of four, maybe yeah. even beyond. But, um, but yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I found it really difficult to go back to it, to be honest. I mean, I, I remember the response to the first game yeah, was yeah. not overwhelmingly positive at the time anyway. it was There was a sense that although it was ambitious and great mm. looking for the time, it was more of a proof of concept. And in fact, it was Assassin's Creed 2 that got the really strong reviews yeah, and yeah. word of mouth. Yeah. So the first game, I think, is, is probably a tough one to go back to. I've never actually played the first one. Really? I, I started with okay. two. They recently gave it away. I say recently, it may be a year ago or more, mm. but... They recently gave it away as part of the Games with Gold uh, program on Xbox. So, right. and it's yeah, it's backwards compatible, so you can play it on Xbox One. So, I do yeah. own it. I have it in my library. I think I've got virtually all the games in my library on various. They've given them away on various services over the years. Uh, I think even the Epic Game Store gave one of them away recently. I think it was Unity. Yeah. Um, Syndicate on UPlay, and yeah. So you, t- I mean, these we're talking about getting these games for a quid. In some cases, if you've got enough formats, you end up just, yeah, getting, just them, getting them, for getting free. them doled out. Yeah. I mean, I think Assassin's Creed was it Assassin's Creed four three has come digitally in PS Plus. It's, it is this thing yeah. where you go back and you see, you don't know, you don't realize until you just look through your library one. and think, oh, yeah. when did I get that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think I've ended up with three on both. I mean, I, plus and gold. I purposely went out and sort of filled in some of the blanks, so I picked up. I've got three digital and that comes with liberation the remastered oh that was right so because i bought odyssey um i bought a version of odyssey that came with uh or maybe they all came with but assassin's creed 3 came with odyssey the remastered version came with odyssey which in turn came with liberation so there was like liberation freedom cry came with ps plus and then i went and picked up rogue recently because that was the other one that was kind of missing oh yeah that was also a uh, Games with Gold, yeah, 360 version. They've also given away those uh, those sort of guide end ones, the side scrolling, the series of yeah, side yeah, scrolling platformers, yeah, chronicles. So I've got all three of those as well. It's just crazy. Those are less well rated overall, but uh, I don't think they're meant to be terrible. They're just nah. But I think this is where, to me, this is where all that stuff started to fall apart for Assassin's Creed. I think multi formats, different games on different systems, and all. The sort of the break, it, it just fractured it all, it felt, and to the point where 
clearly people were dropping away from it uh, where it needed a bit of a rethink at some point and it came along with um, Origins. Next up, we have Kane and Rinse contributor Rich, Richard Davison, with one of his selections, and this one's from Unity, as you'll hear. Hello, it's Rich here, newish member of the Kane and Rinse team and a big fan of the full Assassin's Creed franchise. I'm recommending a track from 2014's Assassin's Creed Unity, but let's try and forget about its sort of miserable launch and story criticisms because that's perhaps a, a better topic for a full Kahneman show in the future, fingers crossed. It's actually a game that I really, really, really enjoy, warts and all. Unity is a game that's set in France, predominantly in the 18th century Paris during the French Revolution. For me, it's a fascinating time in history. It deals with the deep social transformation of the nation and actually the profound effect that it had on modern history. It was a perfect backdrop for the Assassins and the Templars conflict and a natural place to go. The track I'm recommending feels, well, at least to me, like a really intelligent piece of music, actually. It's built from some very 2014 Wub Wub style dubstep effects, but it puts in some more contemporaneous instruments like the harpsichord and what I think might actually be some kind of hurdy-gurdy. It's a track that feels to me about deep juxtaposition, almost at the point of conflict. And that's not just a case of comparing the series sci-fi with real history, but it seems deeply appropriate for the historical time period, looking at the conflict between the oppressed peasant class and the rich monarchy and the bourgeoisie. And this sense of conflict isn't just in the themes, of course, it's, it's representative of the characters too. Arno Dorian is our inn in that world, and he is as at odds with himself and his own instincts and loyalties, because he has dangerously fallen in love with his childhood sweetheart, the daughter of the Templar Grandmaster Elise de la Serre. Listening to the track, I think there's a, a real elegance in the harpsichord and the violins, definitely at the beginning. sort of reminds me of the amazing motion capture of the assassins in this game in particular, and just how fluidly they moved around both Paris and Versailles. I genuinely feel like you can really sense the broader narrative of the revolution in this track. In the first half, there's a real mischief about the melody that implies an unrest, and it leads, as we go along, to that wailing hurdy-gurdy type instrument that reveals the sort of misery and unrest in that world, which leads to that violent revolution that we're all very familiar with. This is Chandeliers and Carnage by Sarah Schachner and Chris Tilden.
Thanks, Rich. That's Chandeliers and Carnage. What a good title. From Unity, which is one that I've yet to play. That's actually really good, I've got to say. Um, yeah. Rich lent me um, Unity and Syndicate last year to sort of fill in the blanks on the main games before I hit yeah. Origins. And I didn't know what to expect, but I found Unity to be um, really interesting and really enjoyable. Mm. And I. Mm fascinating sort of period of time that they set it in as well the french revolution and the yeah. sort of recreation of that sort of that sort of you know the period of uh paris and stuff in that it was it was yeah i got really into that one and that was the one that was notoriously broken when yeah it first launched, oh, oh right? yeah, yeah yeah like it's always a good thing to come into and we've said this i think we said this on the origin show you know if it's an ubisoft game you're probably best to give it a bit of a window before you mm. pick it up because there's usually like a fair number of... I, it's, you know, it's unfair to really point, point the finger at Ubisoft. This is the case with a lot of games these days. Wait a bit, you get a patched version. It's probably yeah. going to be a lot smoother experience regardless. Sometimes mm. they're big bugs, sometimes they're little things. But, you know, I think there's it's just the way it is these days with digital yeah. media. It's just, we all know we can't always uh, we can't always bring ourselves to wait, but if you do, you'll make massive savings and play an improved yeah. version of the game. Which, so. in the case of Unity, was a massively improved version yeah. of the game, a working version. Yeah. Right now we have another of your picks, and this is from the game that we covered recently on the Kane and Rince Review podcast. Yeah, from Origin. Yeah. Now. I'm putting this in because Rich and Brian, as I've already mentioned, were dismissive towards the Origin soundtrack. And I just, no, no, it's just, this is a, I've found the score to be really evocative and, and just, it's one of those scores that kind of adds more to the atmosphere of the game as you're playing, which I think is what perhaps all scores are meant to do. But some, it, it, you know, you've, Sometimes you can listen to them in isolation and they're still just as sort of evocative. I think the score for this is a lot of tracks that you can't remember where precisely it played. Yeah, right. But, you know, that's not to sort of denigrate it in any way. It's mm. just... But the um, the main theme of this, and this is always interesting to me because I've done this with Sarah Shackner's uh, most recent score with Anthem, where you've got the title splash screen and you have a piece of music playing, which is like the, basically the main thing. And I found that I've just let these things play because I think she does this really interesting sort of... Um, I'm not musically inclined, so I have a problem discerning what's real and what isn't in terms of synthesized um, orchestral stuff. So you, I, I, it's one of those where it sounds... Some of it sounds like orchestral in the sense of using real instruments and then it's mixed in with kind of um filtered vocals and and synths and stuff like that which i i I love that stuff because it it sounds modern but just it gives it an edge that i i kind of think beats just a plain old orchestral score when we had the earlier track which is the main assassin's creed theme from the first game and it only became apparent to me when i was setting this up that there is a main, there is an actual like Assassin's Creed vocal sort of theme that runs through the games or through, or well, all of them, to be honest. It's in well, things, you know, sometimes it's very well hidden. And I, this was the thing that one, one of the things that stood out to me about this main track was the way that this vocal sort of, and she's added sort of like a slight echo effect to it. 
and it just sort of like gives it very haunting sort of uh, uh, vibe to it. And it was, yeah, it was the thing that stood out to me. But I think a score for this game was just exemplary across the board, really. Sarah Shackner's Origins, Assassin's Creed Origins. Now another request from the community. This one's from Glenn, Mr. Flavio, who says, Syndicate was the first Assassin's Creed game set somewhere I actually know quite well. It was fun to explore places in the game that I've actually been to. The whole vibe of the game is quite Dickensian, so it sort of makes sense that the end credits would get this wonderful piece in a West End musical theatre style, reminiscent of shows like Oliver. Composed by Austin Wintory, performed by Tripod, this is Underground. Take 
a look around lively old London Buzzing crowds, we sweat and we revel Red cheek shouts and songs in the flicker of the gaslight Eager blighty bursts from the cobblestones Racing, climbing, blooming fertility Born from secret seeds that are scattered in the night time London is fed upon the meat of the dead They're one shallow inch below the town Underground, underground Leave them underground That whispered dreams that only poisoned us Them that told us lies of their bravery Them that preached of progress and put us in the poorhouse Them done horrid murder on bloody stages Them that loudly crowed their humility Lords and dames that sung in the chapels on a Sunday Quiet now, their mouths are stopped up by mud They lie flung in rags and make no sound Underground, underground, leave them underground Those who fought for something better Those who taught by how they lived Loved ones taken long before their work was done Underground, underground Leave them underground Underground, underground Leave them underground Austin Wintry's Underground, former guest of the show. Syndicate yeah. is in some ways the one that I've been most curious about, exactly for the reasons that yeah. Flabio mentions there. But when people I talk to who have played it tell me about it, it's always rather, well, lukewarm to say at, yeah. at best. So for exactly the reasons he's saying, that I look forward to playing this. So I understand that it's set at like 150 years ago, which is fair enough, but I didn't recognize London. And mm. I, you know, I lived there for a decade. So it's like, it just felt like I didn't recognize the city at all. It right. didn't feel, it didn't feel right. And partly <laughs> due to this thing where they've kind of widened streets out for the horse and carriage racing that you can do in the game. Um, and yeah. I feel that that's where it fell flat to me because if you go around that 
period of like London, what's left of it, if there is anything left of it now. But it was quite narrow streets, very, very tightly knit tenement blocks and, and stuff. But here they've got like dual carriageways in between everything <laughs> for the sake of horse and carriages. Yeah, which, bit of a me, compromise. Yeah, but it was like, I. this is where I've had a problem with it. Because I was familiar with London that I had more of a, I hit against this game quite hard. So much that I, I just didn't finish it because I, I was, yeah, I, I made several mistakes with this because I played this one straight after playing Unity. And I think also um, that there's huge changes, as there are with all the games, but usually when you play them, you're playing them in the space of a year, at, you know, minimum of a year between each version. So you yeah. fall away from the control. So when you pick up the next one, you've got to kind of relearn stuff. Whereas I came straight out of one into another and straight away the differences in the control scheme were jarring because yeah. you immediately think it's just going to play the same way. It's an Assassin's Creed game, so it should be... For, but no, they've added new mechanics and, and a different control scheme to it. There were enough differences that I, I rubbed up hard against it and I just couldn't, couldn't get into it. I didn't find the world as evocatively sort of created as, as, mm. as Unity either, but had I been a French player playing Unity, maybe I would have had the same problem. And like, yeah. that doesn't look right. That's not yes. real. <laughs> Quite that. likely, yeah. yeah and and, and maybe uh, you'd have, if you were that same French player coming to Syndicate, you'd have found it more yeah. uh, convincing. Because I played Unity in French as well, because I thought it just added mm. so much to the to the game when you were hearing people speak French. Yeah. Um, and I saw the same people, you know, people were saying the same about Assassin's Creed 2 and playing it in, in, in with the Italian dub um, made it feel more. I've spoken, our Italian friends say it's terrible. Like it's right. a terrible dub. They can't play <laughs> it in that because it sounds horrific. Okay. So it, it is interesting how this sort of, uh, you know, our own perspectives color, how we enjoy stuff. But, um, but it, yeah, I, I couldn't get on with, um, with Syndicate. I do plan to have another pop at that game this time round, but this score, this particular track, I never got to the end, so I never heard it. No. Until I read, I heard this piece, and at first I was like, "What the?" Because <laughs> you're like, the thing is, Tripod are Australian, and you can hear the Australian accent in this. Quite yeah. to me, it's quite noticeable that yeah. he's singing with this Australian accent and then stuff, and it was um. But it grows on you. The more I listen to this, the more I kind of like it. If only because it's got that kind of big West End, you know, you could imagine the singer in the spotlight on the stage with the, the costume and stuff and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Sure. It's got that vibe to it. And I think the likes of Hamilton and all that kind of stuff these days, right. there's, there's just something about this kind of thing that's all... I found myself listening to this a lot over the last sort of week or so just because... It was just like, yeah, I kind of like this track. <laughs> cool. Now for our next selection, Jay, you're taking us all the way back to the beginning. One of the tracks that is most evocative of 2007's Assassin's Creed. Well, yeah, and I say most evocative. It is the only track that I could... I, I listened through to the, in the whole soundtrack the other day, trying to find, and it was what I was harking back to earlier, a track that felt very particular to the game it was from. Whereas I had a lot of problems where you can listen to parts of like scores from one, two, three, 
I couldn't easily recognize which game it would come from because they mm-hmm. kind of sounded like a traditional soundtrack score, you know, dramatic, uh, whatever. But it was just so I was looking out for pieces from the first game that had a sense of something about them that kind of was indicative of, of the time and the period it was based in. And this was like, yeah, this was probably the most prominent to me just because it's got this core. They've added like choral vocals that feel very over time. Hopefully for our listeners who were there in 2007, even if they didn't fall in love with Assassin's Creed at this point, hopefully this will be enjoyably nostalgic. It's the city of Jerusalem. Jesper Kidd again and yeah the original Assassin's Creed no uh, no remakes or remasters of that one as yet nah. but who knows 
I think it, I don't think it would work. I think it's what we were saying mm. earlier. There's just a lot. It would. Feel what about very, if they remade it ground up in the Odyssey engine? That they could yes. do. Like that's to me the only way you could go about that now. I think if you just remastered the original game, it would feel really. It it would feel yeah. like a mobile game in the sense that it would feel like a stripped back version or something. They've been releasing or re-releasing three and four in slightly improved yeah. incarnations on things like the Switch, which is cool. I don't know how well they're doing. I assume they make profit for Ubisoft. Mm. But they they invest a certain amount into getting them upgraded. You you can watch some quite interesting comparisons between, say, the PS3 versions and the Switch versions on Digital Foundry on YouTube. Mm. Uh, they they've actually done not. It's not like a, it's no Shadow of the Colossus twenty eighteen, yeah. But it's some kind of uh, up, you know, upgrade yeah. on on the original console versions, and even on the Switch. Just because, even though it's the you know, it's the least powerful yeah. of the current gen of consoles, it's still got plenty of oomph compared to the yeah. the two thousand and mid two thousand era consoles. So they can just add those, you know, give yeah. it a bit more. I just don't think there's a demand for it, though. I just don't think there's... Um, well, the, they're out. I don't know how well this. No, are. I mean, for, for the first game. Um, oh, I see. Okay. I don't yeah. feel that, like, yeah, I just, uh, I think it, it's, um, you know, unless they kind of do an itch, because what's weird with the series is it's kind of gone back in time and kind yeah. of working. If the rumours are true that the next game is going to have to do with Vikings and that sort of period of... Um, of sort of European history, then, um, you know, there's nothing to say that they can't sort of bring in a kind of reboot of the original game in a sense. Yeah. Um, maybe do some interesting stuff where you see it from different perspectives this time around and stuff like that, where, you know, it's not quite all as it seemed back then, mm. but mm. I don't know. Next, uh, Tom is back. Thomas Quilfelt to tell us about his pick from Assassin's Creed three liberation. If you've done any research at all into the music side of the video game industry, you'll have probably come across composer Winifred Phillips. She wrote a book about game composition. She's regularly featured in interviews where they interview some of the top and most knowledgeable video game music composers. She's been in the game a long time, won tons of awards. She's worked on the God of War franchise, Little Big Planet, obviously Assassin's Creed. And uh, she's a person who does her research. And for Assassin's Creed uh, 3 Liberation, she went very much on the mixed heritage of Aveline, the main character, uh, to uh, inform her score, which is why this piece, I believe, is uh, based a lot on French Baroque classical music. It's a tiny bit sad that the, the soundtrack doesn't have it played by a, a real chamber ensemble but uh, it's very tastefully done with digital instruments and uh, brilliant harpsichord writing and all around just a great track and uh, I advise everybody you know if you haven't played the game maybe check it out I know there are some ports around but uh, at least you must uh, listen to her soundtrack which is excellent I feel like it's a brilliant marriage of composer and game but I'd also love to hear what Phillips could do on one of the bigger Assassin's Creed titles as well.
Winifred Phillips' Society Suite in Four Movements from that uh, extra part of Assassin's Creed 3, which originally was on the Vita, but yeah. then came to the other versions as well, I think. Yeah. That's part of the Switch yeah. release, for example. Yeah, the PS4 version came with the remastered version of 3. I don't know if it was sold separately as well, but yeah, that's how I've got my copy in it. I've never played it. No. Um, I, I haven't done either of the sort of spin-offs or side things, such as um, uh, Freedom Cry or Liberation. Mm. And I, yeah. They, yeah, it's like you said earlier, it's like the longer I take to get to them, the harder it's going to be to get into them. So. Mm. Mm. Your next selection then. Mm. This is from Rogue. Yeah, well, this harks back to that thing of like, Rogue's a weird one because to I think the general perception is it's a spin-off or a side sort of, you know, a guidance in some ways, but it, it, it isn't. In a way, it is a, a main core game. It was released at that weird period where people were transitioning between PS3 and PS4, and at yeah. the time it only came out on the PS3 and Xbox 360. So it felt like it got sort of shoved to one side and, and forgotten about in some ways. Um, I've yet to play it. I have picked up a copy of this quite recently. I picked it up on the PS3. But by all accounts, it's a main game. And it, it does some really interesting stuff with the story in the sense that you are a former assassin turned Templar who hunts down assassins. So you complete switcheroo on your, the protagonist sort of angle. And yeah, I'm, I, I, I do intend to play that this year and get through the game to see where it you know, how it works in and fits in with the, the main timeline stuff. Mm. Because Even it, though I, I buckled in the end and because mm. uh, there was such uh, enthusiasm among you and the team to cover Origins and Odyssey, yeah. I did kind of want to carry on with Rogue because yeah. it, did, it did pique my interest. Like, I've wondered about this and I'm torn myself over this because I think we could make good shows over any of the Assassin's Creed games. I think particularly Unity, Syndicate, they would make interesting conversations. Sure. This is another one that was uh, Games with Gold at some point, so mm. I have it in my library. Even what, though it's probably current gen. Uh, it's yeah, but it's the yes, so it's the Xbox 360 version, but running on the Xbox One. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's not enhanced in any way. I don't think it's just, mm. but uh, but it's just it's convenient. Um, so tell us about this piece. I mean, as far as I can tell, it's the main theme. So it. Also from a composer who I haven't heard of before, no. um, Alicia Alexandrova.
That was I Am Shay Patrick Cormack by Elitza Alexandrova from Assassin's Creed Rogue. Now we have another community pick, this time from Unity, Public Self. From the forum, canorince.com slash forum, you can make requests for our regular Sound of Play shows there. Public Self says, many sounds of play ago. I recall Jay featuring the main sheet, main theme to Unity by Chris Tilton and noting that it, like much Assassin's Creed music, has a more science fiction vibe than connection with the game's specific historical setting. Tilton's rendition is great, but despite being the game's eponymous track, I rather wonder if it wouldn't be equally at home anywhere in the Assassin's Creed canon. On the other hand, I really appreciate Sarah Shackner's contributions on Volume 2 of the OST, which make much more of the revolutionary French context of the game. For me, it's Shackner's track, Rather Death Than Slavery, which better serves as the theme for this installation of the series. The fading in this track at times does strike me as less nuanced, perhaps even a little on the nose, than some of the other tracks in the game and some of her other work, such as in the later game Origins. But as a storytelling and framing device, I think it does a superb job. Sarah Shackner's Rather Death Than Slavery, Assassin's Creed Unity, 2016. So, where do you stand on the science fiction elements of Assassin's yeah. Creed? Uh, like, this is probably the one thing that I've had the, the biggest problem with, with the series generally, which is that cutting back to the present or modern setting stuff. I definitely mm. had problems with Des- Desmond Miles. I hated those sequences in those games, even right up until they, they killed him off. Um, but they've never sat... It, it, they've always sat at odds with me because I get so engrossed in the world and the period of time that I find it quite jarring to be sort of 
brought, you know, dragged back into the modern day setting stuff. Um, I think it was Unity that had the first person uh, modern day stuff. So you're in first person on that. You're not in the third person stuff. Uh, Black Flag had that as well. Was it Black Flag? I might be mm. thinking, I might be getting my uh, ACs mixed up there. But yeah, it was um, it was the stuff that I found quite sort of, yeah, annoying. And I've never not found it annoying. Even they do, I think as the later games came in, they've they've, Certainly with the last two, they've allowed the player to be in and out of that stuff as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, and with particularly with Odyssey, they literally bring the two crashing together in a, a sort of a slightly surprising, maybe a little bit of an eye-rolling way, but it's, you know, but, you know, we'll talk about that when we get to the show later in the year, but, um, mm. but yeah. So the next selection is from Odyssey, yeah. the one we are going to cover later in the oh, year, yeah. and you've got something to say about this, but let's hear as well from mm-hmm. John Cheatham from the forum, who says, Choosing the flight after their excellent work on Horizon Zero Dawn was a smart choice for this game. I listened to Legend of the Eagle Bearer in anticipation ahead of the release, the way I might listen to a single before an album comes out. I had it on repeat, as a matter of fact. It's still thrilling every time I hear it, even after hearing that little sting from it when completing certain objectives in the game so many times. The bazooki sounds absolutely amazing, and I have to be honest, it took only the first two seconds of this song to make me want to fire this game up again. Completely agree with him on that. I love this. Like, the moment I loaded this game in and this music started, I mean, as I hop back earlier, it was like, I knew it was the flight at the point where I started playing the game. So I was interested to hear what they'd done. Um, but it's, it's yeah, the way it starts really subtly with, I'm assuming the bazooka is like the mandolin sounding sort of Greek instrument. It's got that very, very gentle, very kind of intimate sound to it. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of ramps up with the big score. But it's it's the moment for me, the the point is when this, there's a, a really heavy bass note that comes in that sort of, I, I have no idea what is used to achieve this, but this, there's the like very ominous sounding bass that kicks in. That's the point where I'm completely sold on this, this theme. It's like, oh, it's so, uh, it, it conveys like so much, the gentleness of the, some of the instruments that they're using combined with like more modern kind of heavy sounding instruments. That's just, ah, oh, I love it. Love it.
Legend of the Eagle Bearer by The Flight Again and Mike Georgiades from Odyssey. Jumping around again, this time it's uh, with Mr. Flavio once more and Assassin's Creed 2. This is Salvation of Forley from AC2, but most people know it better as the piece that plays in the animated short, Embers, that introduced fan-favourite character Xiao Jun, as well as showing us how Ezio reached the end of his path. There's a really fantastic soliloquy that plays along with, in this short, the last words of a man who has given everything he has to give but has no regrets, but you'll just have to go find that for yourselves. Salvation of Forley by Jesper Kidd. Jay, are you familiar with Embers, the animated short that Flavio no. mentioned there? No, they've, they've done a lot of this kind of stuff, uh, Ubisoft. They made... So they made little mini-movies for, um, like, Ghost Recon Wildlands and The Division. Live-action stuff. Yeah, they're, they're full live-action stuff. And, and, yeah, they did... I remember with Assassin's Creed 2, they had this multi-part live action assassin's creed sort of mini series that they released on at the time i watched it on the xbox 360 and it was like yeah. basically um showing that Ezio's father was an assassin and a bit of back history and backstory with them um it was focused around his father rather than Ezio himself but it was like they really did a lot of i mean they still seem to do this stuff but it's so hard to find it it's like I, you know, you have to dig around on YouTube for this stuff, and it it always feels like you put so much work and effort into these things, and then quite often they just get completely amiss and buried. Mm. No doubt, all available on YouTube. Mm. So seek them out. A couple of tracks to go in this Assassin's Creed special. This one comes from Three, which before the kind of semi reboot, or the at least the change of engine, one of your favourites in the series. 
Uh, yeah. Much maligned by many, three, but loved by others. I know yeah. that uh, Carl's a big fan. I enjoyed it. But yeah. sometimes the, I don't know, I think maybe it was released at a point where uh, saturation, oversaturation was starting to set in. And also a lot of people, which Ubisoft joked about themselves in Black Flag, a lot of people didn't warm easily to the hero of yeah. three. Yeah, I think that was often one of the criticisms where he was like... Um... After Ezio, who people... Yeah, found very dashing made, and appealing. To me, I've never had a problem with that. Just in the sense that it made it made sense for his character to be kind of. I mean, the the accusation was that he was sullen and a bit miserable all the time. But it, you know, yeah, it made sense. I mean, it it's and and in a way, you feel like you needed a, a character that was a complete. Um, you could easily differentiate between. Uh, Ezio, there was no point in having like you know your quip making one liners. Completely uh, agree. If they'd had another similar, if they because yeah. they couldn't just keep setting games in that era and yeah. that locale, so they had to change. And if they'd just done another similar type of character, people would have been yeah. very against it being just more of the same or a sub a sub Ezio kind of personality. Yeah. And it wouldn't have made sense for the character to be that way, given that well. You know, he's he saw his village destroyed, his mother killed. I always felt that that stuff played into his character, and and a lot of the anger that the character became, it felt completely justified. You know, is it, yeah. I mean, it was just a different. I, I I mean, I loved this game. I, I at the time, I mean, uh, Assassin's Creed Three. I enjoyed more than the previous ones. Um, they just kept going up. The Black Flag I enjoyed even more, mainly because it had boats and piracy and all the rest of it. I mean, this was the game that introduced all that stuff to me. It was like, you yeah. know, they, they had the, um, you know, it was the first one. And I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, naval combat. God, what the hell? Like, <laughs> and that was probably then the most standout part of the game for me. I loved it. They really it. did manage yeah. to make it so accessible. Uh, that was the surprise with it. I, yeah. I always imagined it was going to be unwieldy and overcomplicated. Yeah, yeah, if you tried to sell me the idea of ship-based combat in a third-person, open-worldish yeah. sort of action game, I'd have thought, oh, I don't know, it's going to be overly convoluted and complicated. Yeah. But they managed to make it really accessible and cinematic, Yeah, I felt. I enjoyed it uh, uh, quite a bit. And yes, I was. Uh, although it took me many years to get around to playing Black Flag, Black Flag for mm. the podcast, uh, I certainly had a good time playing uh, yeah. playing Pirates. And you know, I think I, for me personally, it was taken to the next level with Odyssey as well. Right. Um, you know, the ship-based combat and that is, again, really simplified and really straightforward. But yeah, just really satisfying when you're like, you know, setting fire to ships and you've got the battering ram on the front of the ship and you sort of like you pull up the speed and you the way the the crew are kind of animated and you can hear them going like whoo whoo, you know, and all that, and then you just sort of like ram a ship in the middle and split it into two yeah immensely satisfying um you know and and you know the stuff in black flag when you were fighting in the storms and stuff like that oh damn and the atmosphere to the night i was quite pleased to see that they're adding or have added i haven't got it installed currently but uh they've added the chain shot cannons to sea of thieves right. recently yeah yeah they were effective man I mean, that was the thing. It was like the idea of that sort of stuff with, with Assassin's Creed, you know, using the chain shot to take out the, the sails to slow them down to stop their ships and stuff like that. It was like There was more nuance in that combat than I'd, that I'd anticipated. And 
had you know got really into it and and was really surprised and taken with it which i think is one of the many things that sort of made me grow up with that particular game and particularly with three that really made it sort of like yeah become one of my favorites so back to three and this piece what what is it about fight club that stood out it was similar to the score for the first game where i was sitting there thinking you know what you've got a a native american protagonist you've got this game set in this period of time but None of the score, as good as it is, felt like it reflected that. Um, and so it was difficult to look for a track that felt of its time in the sense of the, the instrumentations that they were, or the instruments they were using to, to, to create it. And I think this was one of, if the only track and the, the entire soundtrack that stood out to me in that sense, um, is it just sounded more of its place. With you know, within the context of the game itself. Balfi's Fight Club from Assassin's Creed 3, our penultimate track on this Assassin's Creed special. Sound of play 240. Uh... I mean, I'll just, I'll, I'll add to that because I think I'll, I'll I just want to go back to this because I feel like I might have come across as slightly too dismissive towards the soundtracks. It's not meant to be. All the soundtracks are really good. But to me, where they've excelled in more recent games is they focused on the time frame that the games are set in to influence the music that, that's played on this. And I feel that that's why these, the scores in the later games have started to really become more memorable. You know, so Black Flag with the sea shanties, all that stuff just imbues the sort of sense of time and place that the game is. And I feel that that's kind of, that, that to me is why these, the scores in the later games have definitely stood out more than the earlier ones. I was mm. wary at first that it was a case of that I was just listening to these 
these are games that I've played more recently and that's why the soundtracks um, stood out to me more. But it was like going back and listening to them. Like I said, it was hard to discern which which score came from one, two, and three, you know? Yeah. So thank you, listeners. Con- <clears throat> thank you to our community contributors. Do keep those requests coming. As you've heard, in this case, we've employed some of your picks in this special, but we also, in our regular shows, normally feature some community selections. So requests are warranted. Don't only think it has to be your favourites or tracks that we've never heard before. We like anything from the history of the medium, pretty much, other than tracks that were already very famous in their own right before they were licensed for a game. Uh, and we particularly like it if you've got a story to go with it, a memory or an association, a reason why you keep coming back to these tracks. It doesn't even have to be the, quotes best tracks. It can be interesting or curious tracks, quirky tracks. And yeah, we go all the way back to the beginning. So it can be 8-bit beeps or it can be modern orchestral stuff. com slash forum is the place to go. com generally is the place to go to find us. and. Uh, more on that as we play out but i imagine i'm looking at the title i'm mm. looking at the uh, the artist in, involved and or responsible and i'm thinking i bet you've saved an absolute banger to <laughs> play well i've with. saved this ashanti but this one's from assassin's creed odyssey so this track through the storm you've got in the game you have the choice of male or female crew so they sing all the chanties, whichever side you pick. So they recorded one with a male choir, one oh, with cool. a female choir. Now, I don't know why they didn't do this for the soundtrack score, to be honest, because if you buy, if you buy the soundtrack, it's just got the male choir on, which oh, I no. thought was such... Well, no, that's not true. There, there are some female-led songs in there, but they don't do both versions of each thing. So okay. there's yeah, a problem a in... Well, it is because there were some of these tracks that I really liked sung in the, by the female choir yeah. as opposed to the male one. <laughs> but what I found on YouTube, there's a user called uh, Herbal Gaia who had basically mixed the two together, which I thought, this is how they should have done this. Beautiful. So you've got the Zacathinus Phonas of Montreal and the Messalonghi Cultural Centre Choir. Um, I can't off the top of my head, can't remember which one was the male and which one was the female choir. I think the Masalongi Cultural Centre Choir is the female vocal. Sounds group. right, but yes, apologies if, yeah. we're getting, if we're getting that the wrong way. Yeah. But yeah, these tracks, like... I, I mean, going back to Black Flag, it was like sea shanties, man. <laughs> I mean, it's like, there's part of me... And it reminds me, uh, there's something about having... They, this sort of stuff play out when you're fighting and well i mean it doesn't sing when you they don't sing when you're fighting but it's the way that it's as you just cruise in the the ocean the adriatic or see the adriatic i think so yeah yeah yep. um you just you know you're just listening to them song i w- i have spent same with black flag i just spent ages just just listening to the different um sort of shanty i mean it's maybe it's incorrect to call it a shanty a shanty because it's more of a song rather than and this is what i was saying earlier was i couldn't i yeah. couldn't find if there was What's any ancient story. greek for shanty <laughs> well that's it and i don't even know if they had shanty i mean you imagine they did i mean somebody would have sang on a boat or something you know 
they used yeah. to have drums at one point to keep the rhythm going. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it adds so much to the game, and it always harks back to that moment in um, the complete tangent. But Saints Row, I think it was two or three, where mm. the in-game characters would sing to the right car radio. Second one, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the best moments in there in those games I've ever. I mean, just generally, it was just such an odd but interesting thing to do with the the audio, and I, I think this sort of plays into that whole thing because you can select your tracks, if you will, by using. Um, Barnabas, who can he shouts out like, "Sing me another one!" No, go back. What's that other one you sang and stuff like that? And and you can you know using the D pad, you can switch between That's songs. Right. Yeah. I love that stuff. It's like it's yeah. basically ancient Greek car radio, but it's like you know. On the subject, before we go of mm-hmm. uh, the sort of history tour aspect, uh, which is something they've added in to Origins and and Odyssey, have you been following the YouTube channel? Uh, uh, Guy, I think, by the name of uh, Denis or Denis Shiraev, mm. no. has been making these uh, 60 frames per second colorized 4K. Oh, this uh, is what you put on the, um, yeah. the Slack the other day. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it's using neural networks, yeah. uh, AI, basically, mm. to uh, interpolate frames and, and all that stuff, taking really old footage from, yeah. uh, you know, as far back as there is film footage and making it look modern and it really is an extraordinary if you get a kick out of going into history like assassin's yeah. creed sort of lets you do uh, these are absolutely amazing time capsules that really there is something about seeing that footage that yeah. without the you know skipping frames and incorrect speed yeah. it's, it's effectively a and i'm not saying it's easy but it's a a quicker and presumably cheaper version of what Peter Jackson did. Exactly with what they I was shall not say, grow yeah. old. Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that was the same sort of thing, wasn't it? Where they kind of remastered old footage to kind of, you know, to give it a more sort of realistic feel. And then they colorize it as well. In yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, yeah these are on YouTube. Dennis Shiraev. Um, there is New York, 1911, Moscow, 1896. And there's, there's, oh, there's Paris as well. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a real gold mine. Uh, Dennis has a Patreon as well uh, to support continuing doing the work, but yeah, just a, a slight tangent, but I think related. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so thanks, Jay. Ah, cheers. Uh, And for putting this special together as well. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, listener. Thanks, community contributors. And we'll play you out with Through the Storm from Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And we'll see you soon on Sound of Play. Simbelena
Oh, 